schedule the proper inspection the day after because if I don't like what I see, which has happened as well, I will cancel it and not spend the $8,000. And I will only initiate the PPM process once those first two steps are done. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with them to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we've built a relationship with him in Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, we have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got, and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. And his phone number, 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Saturday. We got a special segment called Situation Saturday. And here's the situation. You want financial independence. And hey, you're listening to a real estate podcast. So it's likely that you are looking at or currently implementing real estate as a way to achieve that financial independence. And fortunately, we have Michael Blanc on today's episode, and he just wrote the book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. So we're going to learn about how to do that. How you doing, Michael? Hey, I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show today. Well, my pleasure and nice to have you back on the show. And if you recognize Michael's name, well, you're either a loyal listener of this podcast. You can just search Michael Blanc, Joe Fairless and listen to previous episodes with him or you listen to his podcast. He is the host 
of the popular real estate podcast called Apartment Building Investing with Michael Blanc. He's a full-time entrepreneur and investor who controls over 65 million buckaroos in multifamily assets based in D.C. So, Michael, how about just real quick, maybe give some background about yourself, and then let's dive into Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, the book you released, and what we can learn from it. Yeah. I've been on a multi-year, nearly decade quest for financial freedom, and I had it for a while and then lost it again and regained it. And I've done everything from software to restaurants, traded stocks and options, flipped houses, did apartment buildings, negotiated short sales. I've done a bunch of stuff, and some were successful, some weren't, and some really didn't give me the lifestyle that I wanted. And when I looked at all, when I took stock of all these things and I looked at the lifestyle I wanted, which is financial freedom. There was really one that checked the most boxes, and that was always apartment buildings. So that's what I focus on right now. My passion really is sharing how to do that. And what's really exciting about it is that people can get started with apartment buildings, regardless of whether they have experience or cash. And that's what I really find exciting about that. Yeah, that is certainly intriguing. As you mentioned, you can get started without experience or cash. I guess that's a great way to start the conversation. How can you get started without experience or cash in apartment buildings? Well, first, let me say a lot of people, they think this, and as a result, they take certain actions that may or may not be misguided. So what normally the argument goes, Michael, apartment building investing, it's a great way for passive income, long-term wealth, but let me do some single family house investing for the next five or 10 years, and I'll take that experience and the money I make, and then I will graduate to apartment building investing. It's not a bad plan. Shoot, I've done it, and most of the people I know have done it. The thing is, it's not the most efficient plan. There's a more direct path which is getting started with apartment buildings right away. And the two main objections are the one we talked about is I don't have the experience. Let me get some. I don't have the money. I'm stuck, right? So how does one overcome the lack of experience? And there's a couple of very simple ways to do that. The first and foremost is, is educating yourself. So you don't sound like a newbie because as you know, apartment buildings have its own language. And when you don't use the right language, you immediately sound like a newbie. And you know you sound like a newbie when the broker says, you know what, send me your proof of funds and I'll send you more details. <laughs> and yep. when that happens, there is evidence that you just sounded like a newbie. So number one is don't sound like a newbie. And number two, build a team around you. So when the broker says, who are you? Why should I talk to you? You say, my name is Michael and I'm a real estate investor looking for blah, blah, blah. I use a certain deal. But you know, I'm working with Frank who manages 5,000 units and working with so-and-so down at a title company. And the broker will go, oh, Frank, what a great guy. I've known him for years, you know. And all of a sudden, the conversation <laughs> is about the experience of your team members versus the lack thereof on your side. So the lesson there is to build a team around you. And you do a great job with this, Joe. You just are awesome at creating teams. So you talk about the team around you, and the focus is no longer on you. So that's the main way that you very quickly can overcome the lack of experience without spending five or 10 years investing in single-family houses. How do you attract the right team members? It's really about, I would say, bullet down to enthusiasm, right? If you're enthusiastic and you have ambitions, people want to be part of that. And when you can share your enthusiasm with others, it really attracts other people. And then what I also find is when you do attract a great team member, great team members attract other team members. So like, you know, start with a property manager. You have a great property manager, manages 5,000 units in Birmingham, Alabama, right? A lot of people are going to know this property manager. And if they know that he's on your team, gosh, they might want to be on your team as well. And sometimes you need these team members to attract other great team members. So using word of mouth and then leveraging the team to attract even better team members. You mentioned it boils down to enthusiasm. I can see a scenario where someone can be really enthusiastic, 
but they don't attract quality team members. You know, I'm thinking of some specific examples where people will reach out to me on bigger pockets and they send me seven pages worth of messages and that's showing a lot of enthusiasm, but it's not attracting me and who cares about me? But I am just using this as an example because it's something that I think of when I hear enthusiasm, but there can be misplaced enthusiasm or not necessarily strategic enthusiasm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is a really good point. And it happens to me a lot as well. Hey, man, I got the smoking hot deal. What do you think? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? It's going to take me 90 minutes to answer that question. So this person is not being very respectful of my time, right? So it's all about being respectful of people's time and adding value to that. So I do think though, it is part of building a vision and by appearing credible to a team member, you got to convince a new team member that you're credible. This goes to the proper manager as well. So again, it's all about appearing credible, being respectful of people's time and adding value. The proper manager wants to manage units. So they're going to want to talk to you if they think that you're going to actually get into a deal. And if you can show them that you're building a team and that you've done this coaching program and you've aligned yourself with this equity partner, they're going to go, this guy's for real. I want to be a part of that. And then you use that again. But you're right. It's, it's not just enthusiasm. <laughs> it's certainly about appearing credible. The same thing goes for brokers. So brokers want to know that you're credible and that you're serious and that you're not wasting their time. There's a big thing around not wasting people's time. Is there a sequence that you should look to bring on certain team members? It's always a little bit of a chicken egg problem. I always say the gateway into a new market are always the brokers. But then again, you call a broker without a team being built and you don't want to appear like a newbie also. So for example, if you're breaking into a completely new market, you can certainly Google property managers, et cetera. The word of mouth is still the best thing. So the way I normally do it is I call up the broker and I say that I'm expanding into a new market. I'm working with XYZ, with high net worth individuals. What do you have? Show me some deals. And you start the conversation there. And then you slowly build on that. You provide feedback on that first deal and you build a relationship. And you say, look, I'm talking to property manager XYZ, who you don't really love. Is there anyone you really love? And now you get that first referral and you start building relationships and getting referrals in that way. And in that scenario, you'd mentioned to the broker that you're working with private investors and equity investors. So do you need to have those investors in place prior to reaching out to the broker? Well, that's right. And that addresses the second objection that people have with getting into apartment buildings aside from experience is I don't have any money of my own, or I certainly don't have enough money to get into these large buildings. So what do I do? And the answer, of course, that you and I know is raise money. And the question is, well, when do I do it? If I don't have a deal on a contract, I'd have nothing to talk about to investors. On the other hand, if I'm lucky and that someone actually accepts my offer, I have 45, 60 days to close. I don't have enough time to raise the money, which is also true. So a lot of people throw up their hands and go, can't be done. And so the way that we do it and you do it is we kind of have a sample deal, right? So we start the money raising partner and the relationship building right now today, because what I want is I want someone to verbally at least commit to me that, hey, you know, if you find a deal like this that you just showed me, even though it's made up hypothetical, if you find a deal like that, I'm in for $50,000, $100,000. And you use these sample deal packages as a way to get out of the way the large questions. Why multifamily? Why should I invest with you? Why this? Why that? And you get these big questions out of the way and then you make someone comfortable with the whole idea and they give you a verbal commitment. So if I have verbal commitments from five investors, now I have a lot more confidence that I can actually make offers on something. A lot of people that try to make offers on deals or worse, they don't because they don't have that. They don't have the confidence. So why not go out, start the relationship and the conversations early, slowly get them to the point where someone is actually comfortable and interested in investing with you. 
getting a verbal commitment. And then when you get a real deal, you then firm up that commitment. And so if you do that, when you do actually have a deal, and you guys do this all the time, you talk to people all the time, build up relationships over weeks or months. And then when you have a deal, you subscribe it in five days. Why? Because you've already had conversations long before the actual real deal. When you're starting out and you have that sample deal and you're speaking to the first 10 or so people about it, and you finally have a conversation where someone says, yeah, I'm interested. Let me know if you find some like this. Should you ask him or her, what is the investment amount that you're looking to do? Or would you not ask that question? It depends on what stage I'm in the relationship. Normally when someone has an interest in finding out more, I will normally say, well, typically the minimum investment is $50,000 returns are X, Y, and Z. Do you know someone? And if they go, ooh, ooh, ooh me, pick me they've kind of self-qualified themselves because I just said the minimum investment was $50,000. For example, early on I made a mistake where someone was very, very interested and I spent an hour, took him to lunch and got really excited. And I said, in the minimum investment, $50,000. He goes, oh, I have $5,000. And I'm like, <laughs> darn it. I just wasted my dime. Even though, of course, in the beginning, you're not really wasting time because you're practicing. However, as you get a little more sophisticated as part of your elevator pitch, I typically drop the fact that there's a minimum investment. Okay. What are some mistakes that a beginning investor tends to make as it relates to either building out the team or having those investor conversations to qualify investors and build up some of that equity they need? Well, you just identified two of the major mistakes that, that people make. And I think it's really a function of, of, of education because I had a call last week. You're not going to believe this, but I had a call with someone. And he just lost $23,000 on a multifamily deal that didn't close. It was a bigger deal, but it was his first. I'm like, oh my gosh, John, I'm so sorry to hear that. What happened? And describing what happened and the series of events, and I'm just starting to shake my head. I'm going, oh my gosh, there's mistake number one. Oh, well, compounded by mistake number two. <laughs> oh gosh, ah, geez, I wouldn't have done that. And I was saying, John, oh my gosh, I don't want to judge him, right? I, but, but it was an expensive lesson that he's not going to do again. I think fundamentally it does come down to education because if you get education, whether it's uh, through your program or my program or someone else's program, they're going to point out the things that you need to be doing. You need to be building your team. You need to be raising money. You need to make sure that you know, due diligence, you don't spend money until XYZ is done, like unfortunately our friend John has done. So the whole thing of education, also using the right words, building confidence. I think it does come down to education, and I think that will eliminate most of the errors. What were some of the specific things that he did to lose 23K? Because I'm sure that would be applicable to a lot of people. Yeah. Small stuff like hopping on a plane before you have it on a contract. There's an expense there. Now you have to pay an attorney for the contract. That's important. But he very quickly thereafter retained the attorney to draft the PPM. He immediately ordered the property inspection and locked in the rates. Well, shoot, I haven't even seen the actual financial documents yet. So typically we stagger these things. We do everything that this, he doesn't cost money first, like reviewing the financial utilities, doing all the financial review I can do from the comfort of my own home. And if that checks out, I'll hop on a plane and actually get eyes on a property. And if I like what I see, I'll have scheduled the property inspection the day after. Because if I don't like what I see, which has happened as well, I will cancel it. And not spend the $8,000. And I will only initiate the PPM process once those first two steps are done. So had he followed that sequence, which you can get through either program, which will teach you, it would have probably cost him $2,000. He would be out travel and maybe the attorney for the contract. But the other stuff, he would have never had that problem. And that's just an example, which of course costs him a lot of money. Your book is called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. We've talked about two components of the process, experience and cash. And those tend to be the two main objections that 
investors or potential investors have as it relates to getting going in apartment investing. Is that how your book's structured or can you elaborate more on the book itself and how it flows? Yeah, I spend about a third of the book addressing those two objections because I have found when I'm so enthusiastic about sharing my blueprint to financial freedom, I lose a person if they don't agree with me that it's actually possible to overcome a lack of experience and a lack of money. So I spend the first third of the book kind of showing you how it's actually possible. I spend the rest of the book showing you how to do it. And the focus of the book really is on your first deal. So I show you step-by-step how you do your first deal, actually the mechanics of raising money, doing due diligence. And the reason I do that is because I have observed that people who do their first deal of any size is always the hardest and takes the longest and is usually the smallest. And then what happens is the second deal follows almost an automatic rapid succession as well as the third. And I call it the law of the first deal. In all of my podcast interviews, I observed the same phenomenon that if you do your first deal, all of a sudden everything kind of happens automatically after that. You'd have to exert more effort not to do the second deal than to simply do deal because you become a deal magnet and a money magnet. And because of this phenomenon, I just know that if I focus my resources on helping someone do their first deal of any size, the second and third will follow and financial freedom is literally a year or two away from that. What's the best way the best ever listeners can learn more about the book and quite frankly, go grab it? Yeah, go grab it, Amazon, just uh, Google Financial Freedom Real Estate. It's a bright yellow book. Can't miss it. And I'm at uh, themichaelblank.com. That's T-H-E, Michael, B-L-A-N-K.com. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show, talking to us about the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, the book that you just published, as well as lessons in the book and the objections that a lot of investors have as it relates to apartment investing. I don't have the experience or I don't have the cash. And as you said, you cover about a third of it in your book. And I was fortunate enough to read through it prior to it publishing and certainly gave it my endorsement and best of luck for that book launch. I know it's going to add a lot of value to a lot of people's lives. Joe, thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you again soon. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at Eastern eq.com. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.